Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Nicole. I am a friend of Terry's. I am a voiceover artist. I am a Sagittarius, for anyone who's wondering. And I am doing the intro to today's episode. I hope everybody's having a marvelous day today. I'm having a pretty good day myself. Um, I went on a walk this morning and I found this really cute rock that I've taken home. I'm looking at it right now. I'm holding it in my hands. Um, it kind of looks like salmon, which is sort of weird, but it does. Like it's pink and it's got all these lines in it. Like, you know, salmon's kind of liney. It's sort of liney, like salmon. Um, shout out to the rock community. I know you're out there. Some of you may or may not be listening. I see you. I think you're really cool. And I don't know, rocks are so cool. I just really, really, really like rocks. Maybe that's just me, but that's how I feel. This episode has nothing to do with rocks, um, pink or otherwise. This episode includes a chat with the super amazing 2D animator and storyboard artist, Graham Cowie, who is most recently known for his short film, Everything is Going to Be Okay. Graham's skills have been sought after by animation powerhouses like Wild Brain and Titmouse, and in this chat, he shares how he worked his way up to animation supervisor and the reason he threw all of that away in his 30s to start from scratch as a storyboard artist. How cool. We love taking a risk and having it pay off. Good for you, Graham Cowie. You seem like a really neat guy. Also, this episode is sponsored by that neighborhood cat that didn't seem to belong to any particular house. You know, like the one where it like went to each house and it got fed by everybody and it was clean and it had a collar so you knew it belonged somewhere, but everyone was like, where do you live? You know that? Did you ever have that in your neighborhood? I definitely did. I loved her. I thought she was very cute, but I never knew where she lived. Like she would come in my backyard and I'd give her tuna and I'd be like, hi, I'd give her a name. You know, I don't know her name. I don't know who she is, but um, for sure she was sleeping in someone's house at night. Um, it wasn't mine. Anyway, she was really neat. And this episode's podcast is brought to you by her. Because I guess she's found some independent wealth and has decided to sponsor this episode. So thank you, Neighborhood Cat. We love you. Um, Enjoy the episode. I know myself and the Neighborhood Cat will be listening to it together. I hope everybody has a great rest of their day. Goodbye. Hey, Graham. Thanks for coming on the chat. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Terry. Good. Yeah, of course. Um, If... I don't know if anybody was actually who's listening to this was actually attending the Cardiff Animation Festival, but I first grilled you in the animator chat after seeing your short film, Everything's Gonna Be Okay, which is really cool. Congratulations about, uh, you know, finishing that up and having it run the festival circuit and everything. How do you feel? Uh, really excited. It was uh, it was a great experience. Cardiff, uh, our, our chat was, uh, was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. But getting out to Cardiff uh, was my first in-person animation networking experience since my wife and I moved to Britain and it was like my my first big animation festival experience where I got to watch something screen so it was yeah. a, lot, a lot of different facets it was great it was a lot of fun amazing yeah yeah um I actually want to start with a different topic not I'll get into all your short films soon but okay you told me before this chat that you actually about six years ago decided that you were super weak in storyboarding and so you <laughs> decided to switch careers into that? Doesn't that seem like a super risky move when you, to, to start trying to make money at the thing you're weakest at? Like, what was your, <laughs> what was your thinking to do this? So when, 
when, when I went to animation school, it was to be an animated filmmaker. My, yeah. my feeling has always been that I, you know, everything is going to be okay. This like longer short that I'm working on right now. It's always been about the craft of, of making art. And so when, when my business partner and I pitched this TV show and we were working on things, you know, my design's pretty good. My animation's good. My, my art direction's okay. But I found really like when I was working on the pitch that I was really lost using the camera, like shot progression, when to cut, compositions. And I was, I, I like, I, I didn't shore up the pipeline well. Like I wasn't planning, Graham, the storyboard artist, wasn't planning well for Graham, the layout artist, who was mm. then handing things off to Graham, the animator. So Graham, the animator was like swearing at Graham, the layout artist. And, and he was playing. So the, the choice was because I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, I chose storyboards because I was like, that's, that's what I got to level up at. If I want to be who I'm going to be, then I got to, I have to tackle that. And, you know, the, the career choice and the, the money making stuff, that was an awful experience. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> every day I worked with was fantastic and like where I went, but going from being an exceptionally good animator and like an animation supervisor and like directing the short to being at the bottom again was, was humbling and, it was hard, like just going from like, oh, I'm very good at this thing that I'm doing to I'm like, I'm exceptionally not competent. So you, so you had already been an animator for years, worked yeah. your way up to animation supervisor yeah, at a studio. So how, how yeah. long were you in animation for then? Before at that? that point, at that point, I'd been in about five years, probably five and change. And gotcha. I moved around the country and I'd been an animation supervisor out at uh, Copernicus in Halifax. And then while I was working on the TV pitch, I was uh, a character animator. So what were you doing months. before animator? Like before I was. Yeah, because uh, did you because you I also know you went back to school when you were like 31 for yes. animation. Yeah. So was this at 31 that you you started that five-year journey into animation became it okay yeah. so you had a you had a previous career already yeah. you're yeah. in your 30s and yeah. you decide listen graham uh <laughs> let's yeah. let's risk it all yeah we're gonna get into animation i did the same thing when i was 30 actually <laughs> i love it That's amazing. Uh, and then five years into that you're like listen graham let's risk it all again and yeah. even though i have all this experience in animation and worked my way up i'm a supervisor which is like you know, a good position. It's hard to yeah. get there. You yeah. decided to scrap that and start over with storyboarding. Yes. Yeah. I, I know it's even when you say but it like, way, but it like okay, so, but you're making your bread and butter this way, you know, yeah. like you have commitments, you have, you know, what is, how are you pushing down those fears and all the sacrifices and all the things that you have to commit to, to start over twice? Yeah, it, it, I guess it's always been about the long-term investment, like who I want to be. So before, before I got into animation, I did like a fine arts degree when I was in my, like right out of high school, I yeah. did like a fine arts degree and I was a, I was a painter for a few years. And then I like, I, I tried to write for a bit and I traveled a whole bunch, but it was always about trying to figure out like, my path has always been trying to figure out like, who is the artist I, I want to be, or like I'm supposed to be, or like, in maximizing my potential. So the choice to go into storyboards is like, I know I need to get better at this. It's going to sting. It's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to embarrass myself. My, my, my weeks are going to get longer. You know, it's, it's basically like coming out of school again, you know, those, those long days of redoing when, you, you know, when you, I found when I started animation, everything, I, there were so many iterations that I had to do to figure out 
what I wanted. Whereas when I was finishing up being an animator at Tidmouse or being a supervisor, I could get what I wanted really, really quickly. Like I could get mm -hmm. to the product or the version of what I was trying to say or do really fast. And so going back to storyboards, going into storyboards, I was at that like that step one. I had like no library of shots. I had like no idea of shot progression, like what what comes after a cut, like what what's the best way to like break up an action sequence. So it was, yeah, it, it was. Did you, okay, so did you, for, for me, when I made my switch, you know, I had a lot of certain securities with like job and income mm -hmm. and like where I was living and relationship and everything yeah. that allowed me to take this big risk to jump into a different career path. Did you experience that as well, where you're like, this is more of a calculated thing where I've got my life set up. If I, if I fail, I'll have something to rely on. Or is this more of like kind of what you said, this internal trying to get out the inner filmmaker in Graham to put out in the world and just do whatever it takes to get that done. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, I could have gone back to the life. So I, when, when I left uh, fine arts, I went to Europe. I, I like backpacked for a bunch. And then like I, I lived with family in, in Aberdeen. I just kind of bartended and bummed around. And my great uncle had a, a, a basement, like a cellar that I turned into a painting studio. And so I would, I would paint that down there. And then when I came back to Canada, I painted for a while, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't making money. Like it, I, I wasn't able to bridge the gap between like art creation and like yeah. making money off of it. And so I started doing different odd jobs. I was like, I worked in a machine shop. I, you know, I, I worked in a warehouse for a while and then I got into the oil patch and I, I, I worked in the oil industry for just over two years and worked my way up to a point where when, when I left the, the company that I was working for offered me like uh, uh, a supervisor's role in like Grand Prairie. Uh, they, were, they were like, would you like to be the guy to like move up to Grand Prairie? Would you like to be in charge of oil here? <laughs> I was like, the money sounds great. But, so it, you know, hypothetically, I could have gone back to that career. If, if, I, if I went through animation, like if I did the schooling and then like I, I tried it and, I, and it didn't work out, then I could have always gone back for that. But the, the middle gap where I knew I wasn't going to do that is between working in the oil patch and going to animation school. Yeah. I lived in I lived in Japan for for two years. I did the the jet program. I was teaching English in a in a city called Fukuyama. And Are you so 100 years old? That's what I'm wondering because you have so many experiences from like all yeah. over the world in different careers. <laughs> I uh, I am the best 100. I'm the best looking 100 year old man. Yeah, I'll say. Um, so the yeah. So when when I was in Japan, I uh, I started a, a film festival with some friends just as like a way of bridging the gap between like the, the, the friends we had in the Japanese community and the expats that were living there, some creative expression. And so the second year that we did the film festival, I made a, an animated short. And I feel like everybody I've talked to who is in animation and it's sort of stuck and they do it, has this moment where they, they make their first character move and there's like this sense of intoxication this like this this like connection with the 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 medium where they're just like okay this is it i'd like and so I, I did this line test of this character like jumping off screen and i was like yeah this is this is it figuring out so wow I, so I you didn't actually you didn't you didn't know for like a lot of people know from a young age they were watching like cartoons whatever and they're like oh, this is what i want to be doodling yeah. throughout high school etc then go to animation school you kind of just did it as a creative outlet and discovered it 
and a light bulb went off. It's kind of I so that's funny because I I drew pathologically. Like every other every other person who tells their animation story, I like I drew cartoons. All of my sketchbooks from the ages of like five to 13 are like cartoon characters in Spider-Man. When I was in grade seven, so I would have been 11 years old, maybe 12, I started a comic book company, Safari Comics. And I used to I used to make comic books and sell subscriptions and like put them in little like uh, saran wrap bags. And like I so badly wanted to be a comic book artist, but I just didn't have anybody around me who knew how to bridge the gap between this guy's drawing a lot of superhero ducks and like uh, making money uh and my parents were supportive of going into the arts but you know my my dad's a chemistry professor and my mom's a nurse they they, they have friends that they introduced me to but you know the the instructors that i had were like comic books aren't real animation is not real yeah. like you, if if you want to if you want to be a serious artist you have to draw non-objective uh abstract paintings like rothko or like you know you have to study clem greenberg uh, right yeah so <laughs> yeah, it, it so i i you know it, i i wanted when i was a little kid like i i the first thing i wanted to do was draw comic books yeah. and it took from you know whenever the teacher i had in high school to like that moment in japan where i went on this like serpentine journey to be like okay i i, I guess i'll take this other road finding like that 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 same germ from years and years before that that sort of set me off into animation yeah wow isn't that as you're just talking about your experience in school I, I feel like it's so important to just have encouragement or like people in the industry who know how things work because it's such yeah. a like for me it felt like such an exclusive magical far away thing to get into animation that I just didn't even know where to start when I was yeah. in high school and whatever. It never even crossed my mind that it could be a career path. Cause I was just like, yeah. Oh, Hollywood is this place that exists in yeah. dreamland. And then yeah. somehow I'm sitting in a theater, but yeah. like, I guess looking back, would there be anything that you could have given your younger self to like propel yourself into this more? If, if somebody's like, I guess I'm just thinking if somebody's listening yeah. right now and they're yeah. looking for inspiration and they don't know a lot of people actually listen to this to figure out how to how things are done so like yeah, where would you start yeah, yeah. yourself yeah that's that's such a tough question yeah. i like but you know like i i like i don't think i would change anything hmm. you know the road i went down was the road i had to take yeah. and that's like the road that i took and that's who i am and you know the, the old time travel move one chair and like every, everything gets thrown out of, out of kilter so yeah you get back into oil yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i uh i think the most important thing is just being honest with what you want to do and talking to people when i when i told my parents uh i wanted to go into art they were really apprehensive and so as like a christmas present i painted them like six or seven huge canvases Wow. I remember my, my parents kind of unwrapping them and being like, yeah, okay, you can, you're obviously serious about this. So yeah, we, we'll, we'll talk about how we can help you make a, a living. And so my dad like made connections with like graphic designers at the time that he knew. And it's just where I grew up and like the people that we knew in the environment, it wasn't, it just, there wasn't exposure to animation. You know, I, I grew yeah, up in yeah. Edmonton in like the late eighties. So it was like, it was not, there's not a lot of that. Even now in Edmonton, there's not a lot, a lot of animation. But I've I've been uh, teaching for years, and every opportunity that I get, like when, when people's parents come in, I make a point of being like, "This is real. Like this is this is a real career. Like 
you know, this is this is what your child's trajectory could look like. Here's here's how they can uh, here's how they can make it. Here's the options for them. And when kids have these moments like I did, I'm like, tell your parents to call me. You know, like I will sit down and talk with them. Um, for people who are looking to do this and don't know how to cross that threshold, it's just like talk to people. And I know the the curse of networking, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, saying yeah. networking. It's so hard to to just you know cold call somebody on Instagram and be like, I love your work. Can we talk? But just like be be honest with people and yourself, and just like find as many resources. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's so hard. I you know it, it's it's so tough to broad brush like how can how can you help? I think just talking about what you want to do and being honest with what you want to do and not being afraid to tell somebody, you know, for me, my parents were not necessarily on board until like I, I anteed up and then, then they were like, yeah, okay. That's so funny that you say, well, I appreciate that you say, be honest with yourself. Like I had, I had a huge struggle with that all throughout my life. Just trying to, like, I never said I was an animator. I never yeah. said I was really into art and people would be like, oh, you should get into this. And I'd be like, no, I'm no good. And then internally yeah. I had like this burning desire that yeah. was just like, I, 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 I felt like I had built so many walls around it just to protect it from, yeah. I don't even know what, just myself yeah, yeah, and judgment yeah. and other people. And, yeah. and like just the fear of failing that I never, oh. I, you know, it took me until I was 30 to really be honest with myself and then, you know, say that I want to get into animation. Yeah. <laughs> and then people were like, great, we know this about you. You should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I agree. Like what, what you're saying feels really familiar. I like, I, I feel like I had the same experience for a long time. And there was also like this sense of like who I am and where I am and like age and like yeah. what's what's too what's too old, what's too young. And you know, I can remember saying to myself when I was like 25, 26, you're like, I get too old to go back to school. Which now when I look at it, you know, I'm 45 years old and it's like that is lunacy. Like that is that is like a, a mad thing to, to say to yourself at 25. But I just had this voice where I was constantly like, no, you you can't do this. You've got to focus on this. Like, you know, pragmatic voices where I was like, you've made the choice to, to oh, go totally. to the oil patch. You've got to like follow this through. So it's 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 really important that like what you just said, that you you recognize what you really want to do and and taking the risks. To, to do. Yeah. I don't think those voices ever go away. I still feel them all the time when I'm applying to something new or like just putting myself oh. out there. It's like, Oh, you're not good enough or whatnot. Oh. But like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you went back to school when you were 31. I went back to school when I was 30 and, and those, you know, I had such a fear that I was, I was, I mean, I'm almost twice the age of like, not, not almost twice, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, your classmates are 19 years old and they're super yeah. talented. And you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> oh, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah and I, like, I go on the subreddits all the time on Reddit for like animation and people are like, I'm 23, I'm too old to go back. And I'm like, no, you're not. not <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think having that age difference is almost an advantage because at least for me coming through a career already, you know. I'm not afraid to talk to my profs and pick their brains yeah. and, you know, yeah. become friends with them and network them and yeah. seek out opportunities from them. I'm like, yeah. I have my schedule and like work ethic nailed down. Yes. So I'm not, yeah. you know, putting slacking off and do, I was actually, I probably would have failed animation school if I had went when I was 19, because I wouldn't have taken oh. it seriously enough to yeah. when I was 30, when I was like, yeah. everything is riding on this, I better yes. be super successful. So, yeah. how, you know, how did you, experience 31 in animation school all over again. I, I feel like you just described my animation school experience. Uh, I, I met some amazing talented people when I got to school, but I was, I, I felt really out of place. Like it, the, the age difference, which I don't think I'd ever really reflected on before, like just really hit me in the face. There were a couple of people in my class that were 
18, 19 out of high school and the maturity gap, like the, yeah, yeah. the, the sense, I mean, not to say that they weren't mature people. It's just that I, I was just a different place, you know, and, and I'm 100% with you. Like when I did university uh, right out of high school, I had to drop out. I, I took a break between year two and year three because I wasn't doing, I wasn't going to class. I wasn't focusing. Like I was just enjoying being like a 19 year old. And when I went back to school this time, I was just like, I just, I want something and I'm going after it. And I just like, every day I was just like, I was working. Yeah. Uh, like, like it was a job. I was just, yeah, you, I was you treated it like a job, like a career, like a nine to five type yeah. of thing. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was the same thing. Can so, I ask what your, can I ask what your career was before? Animation? I, uh, I was in marketing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda, that, that ties Business. in quite a bit, quite a bit more than my. Yeah, I have a podcast, might be marketing. <laughs> <laughs> So, so let me ask you this. How do you feel now that, you know, going through all this experience and being honest with who you are and then, you know, getting into animation, deciding that wasn't the sweet spot for you and then starting over in storyboarding just so you yeah. could pick up this skill to get a, be a better filmmaker. How do you yeah. feel now? Good. Good. I, I feel like, I feel like I've, I've, I've in storyboards, I feel like I've found my feet and between my experience in uh, animation and storyboards, I feel like I can, very comfortably put films together and you know with my with my my history and in, in fine arts I, I feel confident uh painting and like my I feel like my art direction is is fairly competent so I feel I feel more close to the whole package um oh you know here, here's some good advice for uh up, up and coming animators uh <laughs> I I feel more like I am projecting the version of or the artist that I am that I can see inside that maybe it took a long time for other people to see. That's a little convoluted. I feel like when I started out, when I was, when I was rough in my skills, I knew I could be this artist that I'm turning into now, but I didn't have like the pencil miles or like the experience, the iterations to like really know how to, how to, how to bring that out. But now with like the the time that I've spent you know, the last 10, 12 years that I've been in animation, I feel like the experience that I've gained has really brought out the artist that I knew I could always be. Yeah. Uh, and I can show that to people more clearly. Whereas when I started, I'd be like, no, 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 I can really do this thing. But you know, my character design was clumsy. My, my storyboards were, were lacking information. And like my, my character animation was clunky, you know, just things that only experience will bring out so i think i think in every artist in my experience anyway there's like a version of yourself that you you know you are that you think you are that maybe hasn't been realized yet and it's yeah. just through through experience and, and practice totally it's crazy i mean i feel that too I, I, like the artist inside i guess like there's yeah. just this kind of feeling that i have that i can only express by creating something through animation for some reason i don't know why but it's yeah. but it takes so long to get there you have to pick up yeah. so many skills etc cetera, etc cetera. so you're you're primarily you know restarting your career two, two or three times to get to this state where you feel super fulfilled and satisfied with uh what you have inside exporting what you have inside and that's yeah. that's what's been propelling you i think that's that's like the Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs almost with like self-actualization at the top. Do you, oh, really? Oh. Well, you know, where it's like shelter and food on the bottom and then yeah. like health, et cetera. And at the top, it's like then only once you have those other states filled, you can like reach reach the inner whatever you're supposed to be fulfillment. I was yeah, going to yeah. ask you, um, yeah. you know, well, now I forgot. I just <laughs> went on this tangent. <laughs> but OK, so are you. 
Are you currently making your bread and butter as a storyboard artist? Yes. Yeah. That's so that's is that matter. is that purely because now you're pursuing this to get better at it? Or is it because you've just ended up in this path to get better at it instead of because like why why would you why wouldn't you still be an animation supervisor and then mm. become like a storyboard artist on the side as like a hobby? I I feel like like the way that I learn is that I I need the right way of putting this i i need i need hands-on experience yeah i have a i have a really 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 hard time getting like i think i think of learning as like the this like graph that sort of has like a steep climb and then like plateaus and and steps as you go and i feel like that that steep climb for me i do not excel when i am left to research by myself i can but like I, I need to be immersed. Like I, I if if I'm doing it on the side, it takes me a really, really long time. And so I I knew that when and you know, listening to you lay out my my career, it also sounds like I might be a masochist. So <laughs> I wonder if it's just the the thrill of being being thrown into the the, the new experience. Yeah. No, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, very as, much as, the as, same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as a learner, like I just I need to be immersed. Like I can't. I can't side focus. Like I, I really need to be front and center. Like if, if something is going to take my attention, it's taking like my full attention. Totally. Uh, and, and I can get mildly obsessive about things and I just like glom on to a goal until I've accomplished it. And then like, I kind of, I move on to, to something else. So. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah. So what is the state you're trying to reach then? You know, filmmaker is a thing, but yeah. like, yeah. does that mean you're going to stay as a storyboard artist making films or do you, like what does that what does that mean at the end of the that's day? A, what is that's what is a great dream? question. That is, I my my dream is that somebody just shows up at my house once a month with a bucket of money, and they're like, just make whatever you want. I love you. You're doing great, and then they leave. And then that's like, isn't that's, that the dream for all of us? Although yes, I think if yeah, somebody yeah, did yeah. that, I wouldn't make anything. I would just be like, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I feel like the, for me, part of part of what propels me to make is the struggle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think there's there's real value in having to like the the everything's going to be okay. You know, I, I had to figure out how to make that by funding it myself and by setting time aside. And I, you know, you got to pick your battles. And I think when when you don't have unlimited money. Uh, you don't get into a thief in the cobbler situation where it just like explodes into like multiple iterations of like the, the best version of the greatest yeah. film that's ever made that never gets finished. So I think limitations are super important. But to your question, I, I, I am currently at a crossroads hmm. because I, I'm trying to figure out like where to go next, like what to do next and what to be. I think, you know, I, I love doing uh, the short film. And so I, I would, my goal short term is to find funding for the, the horror short that I'm working on. Um, but longer term, I don't know the answer to that right now. And I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm researching like uh, arts, uh, career coaches and consultants and like figuring oh. out how to, how to branch into other parts of the industry. But uh, I think in the, the medium term, I would like to do like uh, some commercials. I would, I would, I would like to work for uh, some of the boutiques in, in London that do like. Uh, so is there a person or position you can think of that you would want? Like, do you want to work at an, like be a creative director at an agency maybe where you work on commercials and short films and all these things? Does that make sense? Or yeah, do you want I, to be like a filmmaker who, you know, has enough repertoire that you get government or mm -hmm. outside 
angel funding to create crazy stuff, which is like, I can't even think of somebody off the top of my head because it's yeah. so rare. I, 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 yeah, I don't know that that's, I mean, I, I feel like that's like the bucket. You could be the first one. Well, maybe yeah. I'm sure there yeah, are, yeah. I know there are other people who, who are like yeah. this. I've, I've actually talked to people who, you know, they have day jobs that yeah. pay their bills enough for them to just serially create short films. Yeah. Uh, over I, a long, like forever, basically. Part of the, part of the reason going into animation is that like for a long time, I did jobs where I, I was paid fairly well and that I would work on my animated projects on the side. Hmm. But I've, I, I started having this like Peter Parker, Spider-Man existence, yeah. right? I had to walk around all day and be like, Hey everybody, I'm Graham. I'm not going to use the Spider-Man, but like I would, I would spend all day at work and I'd be like, hi hey, everybody, eight hours. All right. Now I'm going home. And then you would have to put in another eight hours. And yeah. I just at a certain point, I was like, I can't, I can't do oh, this yeah. and like maintain totally. human relationships. You burn out so fast. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, that's a whole other part of the industry conversation is like how to deal with burnout. Oh, I, no. now, now, that, now that we've talked about this for a second, I think my best case scenario is that I start my own studio hmm. and we, we make shorts and commercials and put money aside to, to do like creative projects. I was, I was, is that, is that your jam too? Is that your? I mean, yes, but I, so like this is, this is a very interesting discussion for me, just thinking internally as we're yeah. talking, because this has been on my yeah. mind as well. Yeah. I would love, love, love to create shows and shorts indefinitely, but yeah. figuring out how to fund it is a different thing. And, you know, I've, yeah. I've, so, I've thought about a lot of different things. One is like, you know, finding investment from, cause there's Canadian grants. We have the yeah. national film board, et cetera, et cetera, the, the arts yeah. grants. Then there's yeah. like, you know, you could, do something completely different. I could do my business consulting on the side. I could, you know, get into like something crazy, like drop shipping, let, you know, you hear all these things, but then it's like, and then I've talked, I've talked to studio owners with this exact, um, you know, mindset as well. And what so far everybody I've talked to has gotten in the, the, you know, run around, not run around, but it's like, yeah. You have to keep the lights on and to keep the lights on, you got to keep, you got to keep pitching and working. And then eventually you yeah. stop becoming the director and you start becoming the producer. And then you start becoming yeah. the business sales guy. And then you're completely yeah. removed from the process. And then, yeah. so it's, I'm, I'm also searching for this. Yeah. And I think it's just got to figure it out. Whatever for yourself makes you yeah. comfortable, I guess. Cause I, I think, I think it's yeah. the dream that so many people are figuring out, but unfortunately we live in a world that not everybody is like, eating animation like they are pizza or something yeah. <laughs> yeah i i don't yeah i don't know it's a great question i don't know the answer to it uh but like that's that's my that's my mood board well, right now. well okay so you just finished a completely self-funded short film that's yeah. doing the festival circuit it's being pretty successful yeah. it's a it's an amazing watch i you know i watched it obviously and i interviewed already it looks phenomenal and it left something to be desired as well you got this backstory that has no explanation and etc so you you're making another short film now but you said that you're because this could be this could be the next step you know you're finding funding so where are you starting for first of all if you're comfortable sharing how approximately what was a budget the budget for your past short film if you were to make one up I, i mean it took me three months so i guess if me not getting paid for three months is okay so we're yeah. you know we'd all love to be paid six six figures or whatever so what is that yeah, yeah, yeah. eight thousand dollars a month well canadian uh, so yeah, yeah. uh 25 let's say twenty five thousand dollars yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, so I, I hired people to do different jobs. And so like, whenever, whenever I break down a budget, it's, it's harder in this case because I did so many things myself. Right. And I'm just like, all right, I'm just, but you're working. I'm, other people are working. You, <laughs> cause you had a guy made the, make the music, which is, yeah. it's perfectly phenomenal, so et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, okay. So say you're looking, let's just keep it simple. You're looking for $25,000 yeah. for your next project. How, where are yeah. you starting to find this funding? Like, what is what is the first step in trying to get somebody else to to fork out some money for a vision you have? That that is that is a great question. I'm I'm like stalled at the first step, like just looking <laughs> at the places that. But the like, hardest you know, step, I, to be honest. Yeah, and and like really, I'm just I'm just hunting through like right now because I live in in the UK. I'm looking through like the different websites, and one thing that I find fascinating is that when I was in Canada, and it looks like it's the same in the UK, there is no collected portal for funding. Like there is, there is no search medium for like funding opportunities. Like there, there's no like funding.ca and you go to it and you punch in like what, what like yeah. project you want and like it, it there's no assistance to it so you've got to like put in all that like work right and so right now i'm just sort of like going through each of the different available uh links that i can find and then i, I look through the, the the requirements and you know i was looking at one three weeks ago that uh i think it was in the british council i can't remember i'm, I'm lying out of school to see what it was but yeah it's something some like public grant and one of the requirements is that you have like two short films and like a director's credit to your name. Oh my goodness. So like, first of all, be established. Yeah, yeah. So it and I'm I'm having a really hard time navigating this myself because like totally. I, it, you, you, almost, know, you, know, you almost need to hire like a consultant or something who knows. Yeah. And then you're also competing with everybody. What I've learned is there's a there's like a niche of people who yeah. apply to every single grant and fund every single year. Yeah. basically because they know their way around and then whatever yeah. project is they just tailor their skills and experience to that and then they get the funding yeah. and make the thing and then they just done yes. and go, which is crazy so it's like I, I feel like demotivated to even try to bother to yeah. get into this myself I, I I agree so like I I I feel like I'm at that that steep climb of the graph that we were talking about uh and I have I have a three-pronged attack right now where I'm going to I'm I'm looking for a consultant to talk to but sort of like wide career-wide uh you know big picture stuff and then I'm, I'm looking for somebody to pay to like write a grant a proposal like just sort of like a template like you say that you can like if you if you establish sort of like the the pitch the, the project bones then you can you can shift it with like each each application that comes up yeah totally. uh, and then at some point like a, a production partner somebody that i can uh share projects with but um yeah, I, I I feel like I'm I'm right at the start. I'm not the my skill set is making the film. And I find with this with this short, uh I think I looked into funding for a little bit and I just hit a point where I was like, I'm just gonna make it and then I'll figure it out afterwards. And I'm terrified that I'm gonna do the same on the on the next film because it's so much longer. But like it it's just it's not it's not what I'm good at. It's not it's not my skill set. And I, yeah. I need to I need to level that up. So maybe this is a little off topic, but it's something I think about all the time, too, because like, you know, I, I put together show pitches and I pitch them around, but there's like a clear ROI return on investment when it yeah. comes to something like that or like a, you know, like a video game. Like if you're, you know, making an app or something, you know, you can yeah. get advertising revenue or charge for it. But when it comes to short films, 
yeah. you know, there's there's no clear revenue stream yeah. coming back. It's it's you know accolades, networking opportunities. Sometimes yeah. the studio will come and be like, "We love your short film. We'd love to turn it into something bigger for like Netflix yes. or Amazon or whatever." So yeah. like, have you? thought about how to give like an uh an roi to attract people more like some people do like kickstarter where you can get a t-shirt yeah. or something in response and return yeah. or whatever the so uh, that's a great question i for the so for the the tv pitch that my partner and i did six years ago we did a we did a kickstarter for it and like the, we did a ton of swag and it worked hmm. i feel like it 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 was an interesting process and it's sort of like my plan BC to go back to. So, so you animated a trailer for a TV show. It's I, I made, I made a, made like an eight minute pilot for. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, I, so talk, talk about like spending money. I took a, I took a full a episode. <laughs> yeah. We, so we pitched it around forever. Everybody said no. Uh, and we were convinced that it was going to work. And so we, we kickstarted uh the the short and then i used like a, a ton of my own money just to make it hired like 15 20 animators something like that and uh and i basically spent 11 months in my apartment making this, this oh short. my goodness yeah it was wow it was bananas yeah it was super crazy um but that's like having <laughs> having done that already knowing how expensive that is and like how long it takes now how intense it is. I would prefer to find a different model for it. So we've, you know, like I've done, I've done the Kickstarter and it's, it's rewarding, but it's, have you, have you done a, I've never, no, I I'm, my opinion is like, who would give me money? I don't understand. <laughs> I feel like that was I don't even bother. Yeah. I feel like if yeah. I did, I'd expect like $10 from some friends and that's yeah. it. I'd be like, great. Why did I do this? It's, it's so hard. And I feel like I, I have the same issue with, uh, with networking and socials, you know, like it's, it's all about breaking outside of your, your two rings of influence, yeah. you know, like yeah. your, your mom and your cousins and best friends, you know, like the, the people who kind of still watch what you're posting that you went together with you know, you, you went to high school with, and then like total strangers and breaking through that second ring to, to total strangers is so difficult. And the, the Kickstarter that we did was like, uh, was a full-time job that we split between two of us. And it was, you know, it was 30 days of just like every day, just like hustle. And yeah, and, like, my goodness. It, it's really intense. So, so yeah, what happened? What happened with the trailer once it was finished and everything? So we uh, we released it into the world. It got like a, a lot of good views, uh, and then nobody wanted to make it. <laughs> so, you, so okay, so you went to every studio. They all said no. You're like, screw you guys. It's a great idea. We're going to do this on our own. You did yeah. it on your own. You got a yeah. hella view count. You went back to the studios and said, like, look, now we have social proof that this is actually what people want. Yeah, and they still said no. And yeah, we didn't get any traction. So and then and then what? <laughs> uh, and then and then we just moved on. And then so it's oh, wow. it it exists in in the background. It exists in in space. Can I can just, I look it up? Is it on YouTube? Yeah, it's it's actually linked on my website. If you go through the oh. projects, it's uh yeah. Impotent. I got I gotta warn you, it's extremely crass. It is it's extremely crass. That's fine. What's it called? Crass. Uh impotence. I am P-O-T-N-T-S. Impotence. Yeah. Great. I can it, imagine it how was, that's crass. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's it's about uh Jesus, Buddha, and Ganesh who live together in uh I can see that world. that's why I hard like I can't see like you know Disney Channel picking that up, you know. It's no, a hard sell. It, it's more like an adult swim. 
it it was, but like the you know the the jokes were a little racy, and then the uh, the character material. I mean, basically, when we talked to people, they'd be like, "We can't sell Jesus in the states. We can't sell Buddha in China. We can't sell Ganesh in India. So we can't we can't make the show." And we're like, "We'll show you." And then we're like, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> so would, it was. Do you still it was think available. that it could, Do you still feel like it could become a big thing if it were given a chance? I, I mean, I, I think there's potential there. I think it's, you know, I, I think the, the, you know, it, when, when my partner and I made it, we were pretty, pretty new. Like it was my first time working on a project like this. And so I, there's a lot of things that I would do differently. And I, I think I would, I would want to rewrite a lot of the, a lot of the episodes, but um, I think, you know, I mean, my partner was the writer, so we need to write yeah. the episodes that we uh yeah i i think uh i think it was uh it was a good experience we, we like we learned a lot and i i took a you know not not getting it made stung at the time but like the things that i learned from making it were super valuable nice nice um i do want to talk more about your storyboarding because you yeah. know you said you were the weakest in it and now you have a career in it you know what yeah. what were kind of the strengths that you built over these past years in storyboarding that now, you know, when you're applying for something, they're like, oh, Graham's, Graham's coming on our team. We want him. Like, what are those yeah. things that you've picked up? I think, so what, what I do when I'm, when I'm working on each project is I, I, I zero in on one skill to, to improve on. Hmm. Uh, you know, like when, when, I, when I took my first board job, uh, the first thing I wanted to work on was like my shorthand, just getting, getting a, a competent gesture drawing as fast as possible, getting to like the, the fast, the fast model drawing as quickly as possible. And then on that, on the, on the next job that I took, uh, I started focusing on shot progression. And then uh, the, the job after that, I started focusing on. What is, what does shot progression mean? Like sort of like what, what shot comes like, so you've got like a, you know, a, a, a wide of four characters. Uh, do you do you cut into like a close up of somebody to go into a two shot? Hmm. If you're in like a if you're in like an action sequence, you know how do you how do you cut together a montage to to get that feeling of? Is there a rule of thumb that you you follow? Like I've heard like you know far away then up close then type of thing. Like you always yeah. like come back because yes. I guess in school they teach you you know like close up for emotions. You got your establishing shot should be a long shot whatever. But like. Yeah shot progression between the shots. Uh, the only thing that I've heard that I can think of is like basically close fire, close fire. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only thing that I like, what I, what I try to do is like, I think like um, what, what, what does the scene require? Like, so in, in, in like a, in a, in a short, in a scene, in a, in an act, uh, you're always asking a question and choosing to answer it or not. Like you're hmm. choosing to like, answer the question or leave it open, which drives the story forward. Normally if you answer a question, like another one comes up. Um, and so like when, when I'm choosing my shots, I'm, I'm presenting information and then I'm asking myself as the audience, like, what do I need to know next? Uh, there's, there's a really good book uh, on directing film. I have sitting beside you here. And it, it talks specifically about what what is important to show to the audience, like one in 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 the shot progression. So, like if if there's like a, a character walking into a store, you know, start with a wide, and then maybe go on a close up of the key that doesn't work, and then like a, a medium shot of the character reacting to why the key doesn't work, 
Hmm. And then like a medium wide of somebody walking up with the real key, then they both laugh. And then like a wide again, as they both walk in, like patting each other on the back. Uh, the, the one rule that I follow regimentedly uh, is don't yo-yo. Like, so don't, don't, don't pop like wide, close, wide, close, wide, close, because it, it creates like a strobe effect. But otherwise I, I just try to figure out like what the audience needs, needs to see. Uh, and then, I mean, you know, yeah, that makes much more sense than just following a formula. Like if you're always just showing what the, the information required, then that makes sense. And the way you described it, you know, I just pictured that all in my head. It was great. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> Yes, so let's, get are you, let's get some funding for that. Uh, yeah, that let's get some funding. If you're listening and you want to fund a uh, man walks into a grocery <laughs> store with the wrong key, get in touch with Graham and he's already got your yeah. story covered. BAFTA, I guarantee a BAFTA. Yeah. So are you working towards like, you know, uh, you're, you're a storyboard artist right now. Are you working towards like, I don't know, senior, supervisor, uh, director or something like that instead? Because yeah, that's sorry, good. I was just going to say, because like, you know, the filmmaker thing is the ultimate goal. But in the meantime, yeah. you got, you, you know, you're, you got some steps to make, I guess, just in your yeah. own career. Yeah, I, I, I think that falls into like the what, what to do next. I think the, the pandemic has reorganized my priorities for how I work. Uh, I'm, I'm still working from home and have only had two conversations with studios where they're like, we'd like you to come in. And I've been lukewarm and didn't end up actually taking the jobs where they hmm. wanted me in the studio. So I, I, I think for myself, uh, moving on to a storyboard supervisor soon would, uh, would be a high priority and then directing at some point in the next few years. Um, but again, like it's, it's that, it's that same crossroads. Like I, yeah. um, I, I, I feel, I feel like coming out of the pandemic, I'm just sort of like getting my footing again, uh, you know, in terms of like talking to people and adapting and like uh, interacting and things like that, I I I think I, I really need to focus on what what I want and need to do next and figuring out like what's the best what's the best road to take to realize the goals that that I have. Totally. Because uh, you know, I, I've I've done things based on like what I think I need, but maybe maybe having like an outside perspective on how to how to achieve those goals and roads to take that I don't maybe necessarily see or know about. And it could be could be valuable. Yeah, I guess just wrapping up the storyboard thread, you know, what would it, what would take you to storyboard supervisor for somebody to say, like, we want Graham in this role versus if they had the choice of every everybody else in the world? <laughs> like, you know, what what is it that makes somebody a successful sought after storyboard supervisor specifically? The the storyboard supervisors that I love working with are clear communicators and great collaborators. Hmm. You didn't even say anything about storyboarding. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's ever come up in a, a meeting with a storyboard supervisor that they've, they've like shown me how to storyboard. It's, it's really just about like how, how, to, how to communicate with somebody, like how to, how to empower the people on your team to be the best Hmm. version of themselves to fit in into the project. One of the things that I, I like best about, you know, running my own projects and when I was supervising an animation is figuring out which person goes in what role and then empowering each of the people in those positions to do what they, not what they want, but like to, to, to examine, to elaborate, to investigate what, 
they how they can creatively express themselves in that yeah. role. Uh, I mean, obviously in a production, you can't just go off the deep end, but like finding finding the right role for the right person and working with somebody who is a good communicator and a good collaborator makes all of that all of that easier. So that I makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like letting people run in their respective roles as they know best. Yeah. Not taking the weakest ones and putting them in the <laughs> trying to make a joke from how you looked at yourself as weak in storyboarding and put yourself in that specifically. Yeah. I uh I, I definitely had some, I, I remember uh remember a meeting I was having with a director and the storyboard supervisor in my first job and I'd been jumping the axis throughout this whole episode. And I was like, I am not jumping the axis. And the, the storyboard supervisor really frustratedly turned around and put his hand on my shoulder. And he was like, you're the only person in this room that thinks that. I was like, good. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but but it, it was just that, like, it, I, I just, at the time, I couldn't see the mistakes. Yeah. Was, but the, the supervisors that I, the, the directors that I like working with, explain what they want and then you know, you, you have a clear, open communication. You have a, you have a launch meeting where you talk about what the episode or the, the show needs to be. And then they, you know, they go through the things that they want. And then when you deliver and you, you add things to the show or like you pitch an idea or a joke or like a, a, a setup, it, if, if you're working with somebody who's really good at their job, the best, the best scenario wins, the best joke wins, the best, best idea wins it's not it's not about who's right it's it's about like finding a, a like a collaborative environment to work in and conversely i've been in environments where i've worked with people who need to be right and it's it's a it's a poison train fire like it's it's awful i mean that makes a lot of sense conversely when you're a storyboard artist or just in your role in general how much are you communicating up versus you know i'm just going to finish this whole scene to my best ability and show them at the end versus yeah. I'm going to show them periodically throughout to see how it's going. I, I, I prefer to touch base. I, yeah. I don't like, I, I've worked with people before who kind of go off into their corner and work on everything and then show up at the end. And they're like, I did the best thing ever. And then everybody's like, oh no, there's so many mistakes here. So <laughs> and like, then they're I, like back I, to the drawing board and their ego yeah, yeah. is cut. I, I prefer to communicate as much as possible. I like, as I work on like, like if I have a staging idea or if I have like an acting beat, I'll send it off to the board supervisor, the director, whoever, like whatever the relationship is. Most often I just um, coordinate directly with the, the storyboard supervisor and then we'll do calls. I mean, just like this, we'll just jump on the, on the Zoom or whatever we're using and talk about something that needs to be broken down. But I, I mean, to me, communication is critical. Like you, you have to, you have to talk. It's, it's so dangerous to go off into a, a silo or a corner and try to, try to work on something by yourself because it's you know we all have instincts we all have ideas for how we want it to be but on a on a project that isn't your own it's it's always about realizing somebody else's vision whether that's Mattel or Netflix or you know Joe Friendly like that's not a real person but like whoever whatever project you're working on it's yeah. it's important that like you 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 give the, the person you're working for the project that they want. Makes sense. Maybe it's like my last wrapping up question. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in a multitude of areas when it comes to, you know, animation, filmmaking, storyboarding, uh, art direction, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even just the pipeline itself. What's yeah. stopping you from just jumping up and saying like applying to director roles or, you know, roles where you would be put into the sweet spot of what you're trying to get to. Like, why yeah. why are you keeping yourself 
to storyboarding to work your way up? Is it because you don't feel good enough at storyboarding yet and you feel like you have more to learn there? Because you could also just jump into a directing role and kind of learn intuitively from yeah. the, the experts who are in those respective uh, silos of the pipeline. Yeah. So I, what's stopping you from kind of taking a jump? I, I think I think the I think the answer is twofold. Uh, there's a two-pronged answer to this. One, <laughs> I, I would like to uh, call back to your uh, imposter syndrome uh, yeah. comment earlier. I am... I have been and always have been crippled by the voice that says that I, I shouldn't be somewhere. Like I'm still waiting for somebody to just come up and be like, hey man, we didn't realize you were here. We're gonna need you. Isn't it crazy we're how your internal yeah. voice needs external reassur reassurance yeah. from a stranger to go away? Like why, why does that make sense? It's so toxic, I hate it so much. And so like a, a lot of my creative life has just been about silencing that feeling about myself. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think, I think a lot of times I'm just like, Oh, just wait till you're perfect. Oh, just wait till you get all the parts of storyboarding down and then you'll be allowed to move to the next. But I, I also think that because I started so, I don't know if weak is the right word. Like I, I feel like even though I, I, I was weakest at storyboarding than other things, I was still, you know, mildly competent when I, when I got started, it was just in, in relative terms, like where I was in, in animation um, yeah. at that point in my career. I feel like that there was just very often, like when, I, I feel like I know animation in my bones. Like I, when I got out of school, uh, I just, I, I very quickly glommed onto it. Like I, I just, like my first job, I was like, I get this. And like, I, I, I got really good at it really fast. And I can just, I can just sense movement. And I actually did a, a short stop motion contract for four months in Saskatoon. And it was amazing because it like, when you move, a body physically like the body moves it's even more intuitive and like you can just like the the motion and like and, and the, 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 the instinct and the subtleties of the, of the body and, and anyway i just i can feel um animation really intuitively and i i feel like i've had to teach myself those skills or learn yeah. those skills yeah. in storyboards and so like i feel only recently I've, I've leveled up to the point where i feel like i was in animation uh, a few years ago. So between, between like a level of, of comfort uh, and hmm. the, the voice in the back of my head telling me to uh, quit everything and, and <laughs> go hide in the mountains. I think. So I guess to reiterate back to you, like you've, when you feel level of comfortability, like you've, you've gone over the hedge of a learning curve yeah. with, you know, whatever you're pursuing, then it's, then it, it's like more of an emotional thing where it's like, now it's time for the next thing yeah. rather than like a, you know, an, a, a logical thing saying like, I want to end up here. Then mm -hmm. I should just, you know, do things that would get me to, if, if it's director, I would do things that get me to yeah. director. Like, cause, cause from my point of view, you know, storyboarding is really tough to get into. Everybody wants to get into storyboarding. There's so few jobs. So most people end up just like 2d rigging or something. Yeah. So you already, you already penetrated that and yeah. you've been doing it at a number of studios. You've got some great mm -hmm. work behind you. You've worked on some really cool projects and you're ready to become storyboard supervisor. Plus you have this whole animation background. You're a mm -hmm. successful filmmaker. You've got the art direction. You've got the painting, like you're the whole package. So, like you already have all this experience from my perspective so like mm -hmm. there's nothing i don't have that little voice inside of me for you so for me it yeah, makes yeah, yeah. logical sense for you to just pursue those opportunities right now i guess done okay in that case i will done yeah, yeah. All, all i need all i needed was to come out here and talk to you for an hour 
and it solved all my problems. I'm expecting next week for you to be like, hey, listen, I became director of the world <laughs> and I have you to thank, Terry. Yeah. No, I, but I, 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 I hear you. I, I recognize. No, I, 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 yeah, but I also feel the exact same way because like, you know, it, it's, it's, I feel like animation is a very emotional career experience. Like nobody's yeah. doing this because they're like, you know, I don't know that it's not like a factory job or like a nine to five or something where you can just yeah. go and do the work and come back and you know, it's expected of you. I mean, you can, but who would do that in animation? Like, oh yeah, I just yeah. accident. I didn't know what to pick in school. So I, I just like did animation and then I ended up directing yeah. and then like, I like, that seems crazy to me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, art is always an emotional and like internal yeah. and very tied to the ego yeah. thing. So it makes sense. I, I guess I've always made choices where I try to fulfill the artist that I think I'm supposed to be. Hmm. And, and it served me pretty well so far. And I, I'm just trying to figure out how to take the next steps. But totally. what, we're talk, we're, what we're talking about is exactly where I want to go. It's about yeah. figuring out how to do it. And uh, well, as long as yeah. like, for me is like, you know, I have goals of like being director of the world too, but the real goal <laughs> is just to be happy and feel fulfilled. Yeah. And as long as that yeah. is, as long as that is being experienced, I don't really care what I'm doing, you know, yeah, like. I, I agree with you. Yeah. That's, so. that, I mean, that, that's my highest priority is just to, to be content and just to make sure that I'm realizing the, the artist that I want to be. That's. Yeah. Wow. I feel like this has been a very, like, very raw and kind of inspirational chat to, to hear you, you know, go through all this, all of these crazy experiences all over the world and then end up here and and realize like you know what the true gram is under underneath and to pursue that i think that's i think that's quite incredible actually well thanks i, I really enjoyed this this conversation I, I, yeah. is there I, is you know as we're wrapping up is there anything you wanted to share that you know somebody who's listening to uh this and they've heard your story and they've seen your work is there anything you think would be interesting for them to know from your experience or whatnot Oh, wow. Um, or anything you'd like to share in general, period? I, I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing my short film. Everything is going to be okay with everyone. Yeah. Once, once I get word at the end of the year on which festivals it is or isn't going to be included in, I'm excited to share it online and uh, hearing some feedback from all of your listeners. Yeah, well, I'm excited for everybody to see that as well. I think it's going to get some really good attention. Thanks. <laughs> cool. Well, well, Graham, thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Terry. Of course. Yeah. And if you're listening and you want to, you know, get in touch with or follow Graham's work or anticipate his short film coming out, you can do so by following him on Instagram under at Graham because he was the first Graham to get that handle <laughs> or his website, which is GrahamCowie.com. And I'll include the link to the, both of those in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay. Bye. Music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.